Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Let's get into the Word and see how far we'll go tonight. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together, our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray for the spirit of revelation and illumination into your word. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Okay, so I want to, um, if please get this book on the Berean Believer, Becoming a Student of the Word. Uh, try as much as you can to get it and read it because I did share some tips on studying the Word of God and how to become a student of the Word. Now, uh, I know last Wednesday I talked about an, our attitude to the, to the Word and then on, on Sunday I talked about the Berean Believer. So the whole series is, is on the Berean Believer. Okay, so last Wednesday will be part one. Uh, Sunday will be part two. This will be part three. We'll finish up on Sunday, which will be part four. So let's let's get back to Acts chapter 17. That's our main text. That's where we're building our case from. Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17 and verse 11. Acts chapter 17 and verse 11. Praise God. I said, praise God. Okay. Verse 10. Let's start reading from verse 10. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded. The the New King James Version uses the word fair-minded. The Old King James Version uses the word were more noble. Praise God. Now, then those in Thessalonica... Now, here, Paul was making a comparison between two uh, group of people. Just make sure you're not distracted, you're following the message, because that's exactly what we're teaching about. Here, Paul was making uh, a comparison between two groups of people, the Berean believers and the believers in Thessalonica, or Thessalonians. Now, Paul does a comparison of their response or their attitude to the word. And I've said it before when I started introducing this series that as a Bible teacher, when I go to certain environments, it's easy for me to teach. And the reason why it's easy for me to teach is because the people who are listening are willing to learn. Now, no matter how anointed your pastor is or no matter how anointed a Bible teacher is, you have a great responsibility and a great role to contribute to the teaching anointing. The teaching anointing does not function in its maximum capacity without a people who are in readiness to learn. And so in Romans chapter 1 verse 11, Paul speaking about his visit to the saints in Rome talks about their mutual faith. So Paul here compares um, two places where he went to preach. He compares the saints in Berea and then the saints in Thessalonica. And he said, listen, these guys 
were receiving the word much more. Now, if you look at the ministry of Jesus, the Bible says that when he went to his hometown, that he could not do many, many, many miracles there. And the reason is because they got into familiarity. The people were familiar with Jesus. And I like what someone used to say. I can't, it's, it's an interesting saying, but I like it. It says, if you receive Jesus as a carpenter, what you will get is very good chairs. Praise God. But if you receive him as a prophet, what you will get is what? As a prophet's reward. Now, the, your, your attitude to the word will determine how much you get from the word. So, most times, it is, I, I won't use the word most times, but you find out that sometimes it is, the problem is not with the preacher. Sometimes the problem is with the receiver. I've gone to some churches and it was a struggle to teach. I've been to some churches to teach and you have kids running around the altar, running from there to there and they're chasing them, trying to give them biscuits, some are running, some, you know, everywhere was scattered and people still expected you to teach to the maximum capacity. When I go to such churches, I just share a few things and I quickly say pray and bless them and I'm on my way out. Why? Because I cannot function under that environment. The grace, the the teaching type anointing that is on my life cannot, some people can function on that kind of environment. I cannot. Now, I've also gone to some churches and it was like the people were not, were not tired. They kept pulling on the teaching anointing, kept pulling on. They were ready to receive the word. So we must understand that if we want to build a strong local church, if we want to build a church that's rooted on the word, your participation, your eagerness, your willingness, your readiness, your attitude to the word determines to a large extent how much of the revelation of God that is in my spirit and that I've studied that we're able to do what? To benefit from. And the beautiful thing about teaching the word of God is that as you are teaching, you're also learning. Right? So the more I'm able to teach, the more I'm able to do what? To learn. Praise God. Okay. Now, he goes on to say, in that they received the word. So the first thing that they did was to receive the word. To receive the word. You know, sometimes when you, you know, sometimes you, you see some preachers, people will receive other things from the preachers except the word. I'll tell you this, right? The, the, the best thing to receive from a minister of the gospel is not money, is not things. For some reason, I don't know why, but I don't blame people because sometimes it's the way we also pastors have acted. Some people feel that pastors are very rich. And I don't know why they feel that way, but I know some people in their mind just think that after receiving the offerings on Sunday, uh, they just say, Pastor, where is your boots? And then you point your boot to them and then they turn the whole money. So people always feel that. And so sometimes, and, and it's very funny, but I've experienced it a lot. And sometimes call me, some people call me up and they say, oh, pastor, um, this person is not feeling fine. We need money for treatment or we need money to buy drugs. And I'm said, okay, fine. So if I help, I give to them. And then uh, sometimes then my wife says, uh, uh, probably, why didn't we pray for them? Say, no, they, they didn't ask for prayers. <laughs> they asked for money. Do, do you understand that? Because for some people, yeah, uh, the power is not there much. He has money. <laughs> but then, you know, when Jesus wanted to heal some people, even though they were blind, you know what Jesus asked them? Say, what do you want? 
Praise God. In as much as you want to help people, you cannot be a controlling pastor. You cannot force your anointing on people. Are you following what I'm saying? So if someone comes to you and it's money they need, they don't need prayers, give them what they need if you have. That's what they, because that's what their faith is for. Praise God. How many of you know that when the, the, the cripple at the gate was, the gate beautiful, was asking money from Peter, Peter says, silver and gold have I known, but what I have I give unto you. What did Peter do by that statement? Peter redirected his expectation. So when Peter redirected his expectation, Peter could release the power of God. Praise God. Now they wanted money from Peter. And Peter says, I don't have money, but I have something I want to give to you. And the Bible says he was, he was looking at Peter expectantly. So he was like, okay, maybe Peter wants to give me something else. So Peter couldn't heal the man until he had redirected his what? His expectation. Praise God. So without the redirection of expectation, there will be no manifestation of power. That is why some of the most difficult people to minister the anointing to are people who are closer to you. Because they never expect you to walk in the anointing. Praise God. They never expect you to walk in the anointing. What do they expect you to walk in? Any other thing except the anointing. Are you, are you, are you following what I'm saying? Yes. All right. So let's go to, let's keep reading. In that they received the word. So the first thing they did was to receive the word. The word receive in the Greek is lambano, to take hold of. To lay hold of something and to take hold of it. So one of the things they did, first of all, is to receive the word. So when the word is being taught, our first response to it is to do what? To receive it. We're not trying to judge it at that moment. We're first of all receiving it because you cannot receive something if your mind is already shut to it. Praise God. So for instance, if I come and say, well, uh, let's turn to John 3.16. If I say, well, let's turn to John 3.16. What do you think is going to happen? to you? Some of you will not turn there. Yeah, am I right? Come on, am I right? She's like, I know it. For God so loved the world. <laughs> so what's that attitude? Is that an attitude of receiving the word? No, that's an attitude of what? Of familiarity with the word. How many of you know our children are go they're growing up? They're going to grow up on this word also. They're going to read these same scriptures. Praise God. Now, what's, what's, what's going to happen? They are not going to get familiar with it. I've been teaching from this Bible at least for, for at least 10 years plus. So, we don't get too familiar with the word. If we get familiar with the word, we're not like the Berean believers. If we get familiar with service, we're not like the Berean believers. So, there must always be an attitude of reception. There must always be an attitude of reverence to the word. Praise God. So they received the word with all readiness. With all readiness. And searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. 
So they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things be so. So the, the one thing I want us to get there is they received the word with all readiness. They received the word with all readiness. Now, the King James Version, let's get, give me the King James Version if you have the old King James. The Bible says they received the word with eagerness of mind. Or readiness of mind. So they received the word with all readiness of mind. So I want to build on that, on that phrase. With all readiness of mind. Now, this is very key because your mind is important to receiving the word. And this is key. Because when Paul was teaching, the Bible says they received the word with all readiness of mind. Now, this is what I'm trying to say. If I'm teaching you right now, and your mind is distracted, you cannot get the word. Are you here? Come on, I said, are you here? Now, let me explain something to you. I hope it doesn't. But if I start teaching right now, and it starts raining, and you put some clothes outside, you know that in the... In the in the first couple of minutes, maybe about five minutes when the rain starts and when your mind gets settled, you're not going to hear anything I'm going to say. Because where, where's your mind? Your mind is in your clothes. So you see that if your mind is not ready to receive, you cannot get what I'm teaching. So now, I, I'm not say, this is to another church. But the fact that everyone is seated here doesn't really mean that everybody's listening to me. That's the truth. People might have a position to listen, but their mind actually has crossed the podakot. So they might be there. Have you? And it's very easy. It's very easy. You know how easy it is? I finish teaching for one hour and then tell people like, okay, so what did you learn? They just always laugh. <laughs> it was a very good message. So what did you learn? And that's where the struggle will come. Because you realize that even though they were in church, they were not receiving the word with all readiness of mind. How many of you know that sometimes in our life, we had listened to messages with other people in mind? Like the pastor is teaching, say, I wish Sister Jane was in church. Oh, Jane, why did you not make it today? And then the whole one-hour message, as they are listening... You are, you are listening for someone else, hoping that someone else was in church. Praise God. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? So your mind is important in listening to the word. That's why I'll tell you this. It's my rule. It's, it's my rule. I've lived, I've lived it. I don't sit with my friends in church. It's just my rule. If I know you, I don't sit with you. I told you this story before. I went to a minister. I went. I traveled to South Africa, Brother Copeland's meeting, and I, I, I sat down on a chair. Went early, sat down on a chair, and a man came to me. So oh, you look like you're from Nigeria. I said yes. He said, "Oh, uh, you could have just bought the CDs instead of traveling down." I knew I was talking to a fool, but he was in church. Why? Because the fool said in his heart, "There is no God." How do you mean that I could have bought the CDs? You know how many of his CDs I have. In fact, that showed me that I was listening to someone, I was sitting close to someone who 
I didn't even know why I came to church. So I took my, I mean, it's a big church. Rema, Rema South Africa is big, big, like 10,000 seaters there about. I took my Bible and I went to like, you know, it's a secular church, not like our church now, so it's secular. So I took my Bible, I was on this end, I took my Bible and I walked to the other end and sat there. And the reason is I didn't want to be close to him by at least 100 people. Are you following this? Because you know what? Even though I know a couple of people in South Africa, I preached in South Africa, I went to that meeting without telling anybody I was coming for that meeting. I went to learn. Praise God. Even when I travel for some international meetings, I don't introduce myself as a pastor. I don't go and say, well, I'm Reverend Dr. This, and then they put you in the pastor session. Because sometimes when they put you in the pastor session, it's just distraction to your destiny. Then people are asking, oh, you're a pastor in Nigeria. Oh, I'd like to come to Nigeria to preach. And before you know all the conference, you are just exchanging contacts, looking for what is not lost. I don't go to spiritual meetings for networking. I go and learn. If God doesn't open doors for me, I don't try to force my way through those doors. Are you following what I'm saying? So you go with what? The readiness of mind. If not, you're going to sit with somebody and say, so what did the pastor say? Ah, he, he pastor is like T.D. Jakes, so, you know, sometimes. And then, and the teaching is coming on, and the teaching is coming on, and the teaching is coming on. If you do not have the eagerness of mind, you will not be able to learn from God's word. And listen, what I'm, just, what I'm teaching you right now is not just for church service. When you take your Bible and you want to study at home, Train your children to have reverence for when you open the book. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Say amen if you're here. It's not that you are studying the word. You are giving one pancake. You are feeding one. And you are reading. Junior, leave the Bible. Leave the Bible. Leave it. Go out. I'm studying. You are not serious. You are not serious. You know, let me tell you this, right? Your children know the value you place on certain things. It doesn't matter how small they are. You are the one that trained them that way. For instance, if I'm studying the word of God, if I'm studying and I'm either studying or praying, and Zara walks in the room and sees me studying, she'll, she'll, she'll walk back. Why? She's been trained that way to respect and respond properly to that atmosphere. Even when you bring your children to church, the older they get, train them to stay with the word. It's very easy. Just tell them, when you go to church today, listen to everything pastor is saying and write it down. When we come back, we're going to ask them. Train them that way. You are building them up for God to be able to use them. But you know, if we even as parents don't have that attitude, we will not be able to pass that attitude across to them. Are you following what I'm telling you? So, readiness of mind. I want you to observe that word. That's the word I want us to meditate on today. They were ready with their mind to listen to what Paul was saying. So, your mind is a great contributor to how you receive the word of God. And you know your mind is made up of what? Your will, your emotions, your intellect. So, that means emotionally you have to be ready to receive the word of God. How many of you know if something is bothering your mind right now, you will not even listen to all this? That, that's how powerful. So even though it's your spirit that actually gets the word of God, it's going to come through your mind. So that's why I, I, I don't know whether it still happens, but in school you always realize that 
those who always sit at the back, well, this is, I'm not referring to you, it's a good example. But you know, in school, the backbenchers always make noise, always disturb, always do stuff. And then the guys who were very, very intelligent always sat in the front. You know why? Because it was a different environment. In the front, there was more attention. Some people thought they were escaping the teacher's question by sitting in front, so they went to the back. And they found themselves among guys that were not ready to learn. Their notes are never complete. Assignments never done. It's the same thing with your spiritual growth. If you hang around people who don't take spiritual things seriously, you will also not take spiritual things seriously. So the kind of people you hang around will determine to a large extent your attitude to the word of God. Are you following this? And I want to say this. Your spiritual growth is your personal responsibility. Even as much as you want to carry your wife and husband along, you're not going to do Mr. and Mrs. when you stand before the Lord. You are responsible for your own growth. Your husband cannot study for you. Say, just be studying and summarize for me. No. You don't work that way. You have to take responsibility. Praise God. You have to do what? Take responsibility for your own spiritual growth. It's good that you want to teach your wife. But the time has come when your wife, I like the statement that the, 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 the parents of that boy that Jesus healed, they said, uh, what happened? And then the parents say, he's of age, he can speak for himself. I like that response. We must all come to the point where we take responsibility for our spiritual journey. Praise God. Now, there is a phrase that that um, an idiomatic phrase that Solomon used and the prophet Isaiah used which is close to this go to Proverbs 4.20 Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20 the Berean believer what's our response to the word how do we handle the word of God Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20 and like I explained Give me the old King James Version, then we'll come to the new King James Version. There is a word there I want us to pick. It's the word incline. Praise God. My son, attend to my words. Now, if you tell someone to attend to something, what does it mean? Pay attention to it. Praise God. Then do what? Incline what? thine ear unto my saying. I, I want to look at that attitude there. It says, attend to my words. Incline your ears. Do you realize that many times after Jesus had finished teaching, you, Jesus will say, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Did the people not have these farm blades? They had. Every one of them had. There was no deaf person there. So Jesus even understood that the fact that everybody was listening to him did not mean that they understood what he was saying. Praise God. I said praise God. Now, let's use the New King James Version. My son gave attention to my words. Give attention. So that word attend means so give attention. What that means is that if the word of God is coming forth, you are paying close attention. You're not just listening. You are listening closely but paying what? Attention. Now, if you're paying attention, it means that mentally you are eliminating distraction. 
Is that okay? So you're not just listening. Hmm. Good word. <laughs> Good word. No, you're paying attention. You're paying attention. You're listening closely. You are attending to the words. It changes everything. It changes everything. Even if, even if you're not listening to me preach like on a, in a service like this, when you are also playing messages, because I realize that sometimes we just play messages, oh, we just want to play a message to fulfill that spiritual obligation that we're listening to a message. No, play a message and pay attention. There are certain times I've been listening to a preacher preach, listening to a message, paying attention, and then the Spirit of God starts speaking to me about other things that he wants me to, to, to deal with or to handle. Now, what happened is because I was paying attention to that preacher preaching, I opened up myself for the Holy Spirit to be able to teach me specifically regarding something else. How many of you have experienced that? You're paying attention on something, and then God starts speaking to you about something else. So you ask yourself, why did God start talking to me when I started paying attention to his word? It's because by paying attention to God's word, you have already opened up your mind for the Holy Spirit to be able to speak to you. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? To pay attention means that your whole faculty needs to be involved in listening to the word. Because this word is our very life. We're not just in church to mark, oh, I've been to church today, I've listened to this message. No. Pay attention. Incline your ears. Go to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. Verse 3. Incline your ear. The word incline in the Hebrew is natch. N-A-T-C-H. It means to stretch out, to tightening, to stretch out. It's like stretch out your ear with rapt attention. To, it's like listening to someone with the intention of not missing out any word. Praise God. Uh, some of you who have flown before, you realize that sometimes when the pilots... Pilots are like doctors when they write. You know, when doctors write, it's like the more they study medicine, the more they tell them, make sure the writing is not clear. So when doctors write, you just look at it and then it's only the pharmacist that can read. Sometimes pilots are like that. They'll be making announcements, you don't know what they're saying. You, the only word you hear is, this is your pilot. And after that, like, <laughs> uh, the only thing I pay attention to close is, when are we going to land? That's just it. But you know, Sometimes when the pilot's announcement is coming, people are talking and everything, then you, you're stretching, right? You're, you're, you're trying to, you almost, well, it's happened to me sometimes, you're almost naturally, you know, there are those speakers, I don't even know where the speakers are in the plane, but somewhere. Somehow you're naturally trying to stretch to see if you can, you know, like hear what the pilot is saying. You're inclining your ears, you're paying that, you're stretching to, to pay attention. I know the only time people pay attention to what when a pilot is saying is after if, if there were turbulence and then the pilot wants to say anything, shh, 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 
you know, that fear makes everybody to incline their ears. <laughs> what is the pilot saying? Are we going to get home? You know, but naturally, if maybe it's just at cruise level and everything, people are making noise. For you to be able to pick what the pilot is saying, you have to do what? Incline your ears. What that means, now that's, this is why I give that example, what that means is that you are paying extra attention more than the level with which everyone else around you is paying attention. That's what it means to incline. So to incline is not just to, yeah, I'm hearing. No, to incline means you are paying at that extra attention. You're putting in that extra effort to get something, to get a vital information more than everybody else is putting. And like I said, when I'm talking to you about the Berean believer, I'm not just talking about when you come to church. When you are doing your morning devotion, when you are doing your evening devotion, when you take the word of God in your house and you are studying, you should pay that same attention, studying God's word with that extra care that, listen, I'm, I'm studying the book of Isaiah today and I'm inclining my ears to the word of God because there is something God wants to say to me. So you are not just reading the word with the attitude of today is what? August 20. Isaiah 55. Okay. It's three chapters today. No, no, no. That's not paying attention. That's not inclining your ears. Praise God. I said, praise God. Are you following me at all? That's not inclining your ears. Inclining your ears means you're paying that extra attention to whatever you're studying regarding the word of God, knowing that vital instructions are going to come out from God's word. It's like you want to leave the house for your son and maybe he's not very old, maybe he's a young child, and then you say, pay attention, listen closely. Now, if your child, if you say those words to your child, when you say, listen closely, you know what, you, you know what, you, you, know what you want your child to do? To pay extra, what? Attention. Because now, you're calling his attention to something very vital. And that is what we're talking about here. When he says, pay attention or listen closely, or pay attention to my words. It's like God saying, listen guys, listen up closely. Listen up closely. Pay attention to what I'm saying. I'm about to pass useful information. And your mind needs to be involved in this. Your mind needs to be involved in this. That's why I recommend that people should have, have if you come to a church like ours, have a notebook for your church studies. And go back and review them. Revisit them with the intention of gaining understanding. Praise God. With the intention of gaining understanding. Go back to your notes. Treat, treat church like a school. You know, we've almost changed the narrative of church. We've almost changed the narrative. That's why we started on Sunday talking about the church being the pillar and ground of truth. Because the way we've changed church to be is, let's make it more entertaining. You understand that? Come on now. Yeah. And then we even make comedy with all kinds of things. We joke, we're speaking in tongues. I mean, I mean, we're, we're in a church meeting and then we say before the man of God come, let's, 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 let uh, Jesse come. Jesse comes. And then makes joke with tongues. How? They're blasting in tongues. And then we all laugh. Makes jokes with... Uh, the Holy Spirit, we all laugh. Even jokes with the pastor. Ah, uh, pastor, don't be offended. Oh, now joke I do. And then he jokes with the pastor. We, we all laugh. 
And then five minutes later, we tell everybody, let's pray in the Spirit. You know what? We've just deadened our senses to the, to the gifts of the Spirit. Just five minutes ago. We've laughed about tongues. We've laughed about prayer. We've laughed about the pastor. We've, we've just laughed about everything. And then we now say, let's get serious. And then, you know, as we start praying in tongues, your tongue sounds like the comedian own. Then the person next to you just like, <laughs> and then you say, he's praying in tongues. And we wonder why church is that way. And that's one of the reasons I purposely in my heart don't listen to any comedy about any sp- anything spiritual that's turned into a joke. I don't listen to it. You know why? Because it's deadening my conscience. There are other things to laugh about. And you know, from there, we start insulting the president. Praise God. The scripture says we should pray and honor those in authority. We joke about it. It's just joke. It's just joke. But this is one thing you must understand. Your spirit does not know what is joke and what is real. It doesn't know. Are you following this? Your spirit doesn't know. Your spirit does not know if you are playing. It takes every word you say seriously. And that's why I would never like comedian on this on this platform. I, I don't care how clean the jokes are. Not here. No, never, never. I'm sure, well, let me not say that, but never. You, you know why? Because these are not jokes. This is our life. This is, for some of us, this is life and death. There's nothing we're playing about. We're not playing about, you know, we're not joking with tongues. We're not, we're not, and, and if we're not careful, we move church into entertainment. And then instead of becoming a center for education, it becomes a center for entertainment. So for instance, if I say, for instance, we want to study this topic, and I give you one kind of topic like that, ah, this is not Bible school now, ah, it's not Bible school. Now, the truth of the matter is that Bible schools were started because churches were not doing their jobs. There's no need for you to go to Bible schools. Every Sunday, you should be in a Bible school. What is Bible school? Bible school is where you learn about the Bible. What is the church? What are you supposed to learn here? Praise God. <laughs> you know, I was, I was thinking about something. I'm still thinking and praying about it. I wanted us to study the whole book of Malachi. So I talked to two of my friends about it. So I was asking someone the other day. I said, just imagine if we want to study Malachi in church. How would you? Because, no, you know, now you're, you're thinking like, ah, people come to church on Sunday, Malachi. Hi, Malachi. Now, wow. This is that pastor does not have topics. <laughs> do, do you understand? Because it's not, we don't see church like that. Do you understand? Go teach us something. Seven steps to this. Nineteen steps to this. Seventeen victory secrets. But what you don't understand is that as we, as we consecrate our time to learn God's word, the things that those things will bring will just come on us without us knowing. The word will bring them to us. If, if, we, if we decide that we are going to learn God's word in this church, let me tell you something. If we decide that, listen, it doesn't matter what the topic is. We are going to learn God's word in this church that at the end of five years, everybody in this church is like a Bible scholar. You know what's going to happen? We're going to record more miracles than we ever thought. We're going to record more prosperity than we ever thought. We're going to record more jobs than we ever thought. You know why? Because then God will begin to absolutely take the glory for every single thing. Just learning about him. Praise God. I'll tell you this. Every king that wants to become the king of 
Israel, Judah, and all that. When you, become, when you became a king, one of the things that you were to do as a king was to copy the laws of God with your hand. Copy it again. You know why? Because as you are copying the laws, you will know them. So you cannot say, my father has copied before. No. You want to be king? Yes, copy. You know that's reputation. You're not going to... It's not saying copy, write another law. No. So you have to do that. And that was your... It was your duty as a king. Because listen, how do you administrate a kingdom when you don't know the laws? It's the same thing with us. How can you be a believer and you don't know God? Are you following this now? So the king had to do what? To copy all the laws. That was the diligence they put into the Lord. And we talked about Nehemiah the other day. In Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 1 to 3. In reading the laws alone, they spent almost 5 to 6 hours. From 7 in the morning till 12 at noon. Just not interpreting, just reading the law. Just reading the law. Are you not sure there will be people sitting there saying, I've heard that law before. I've heard that law before. But you know, God, God forgive you if you are talking when the high priest is talking. <laughs> you remember when, <laughs> when Paul was talking and then the high priest said something and then Paul replied and then the high priest said the closest person to him should slap his mouth. They should just slap his mouth there. You know, Paul, with the fact that Jesus appeared to Paul and he had the revelation of the new creation, Paul says, I'm sorry, I did not know he was the high priest. Paul did not say, I know who I am in Christ. Do you know why? Because listen, that man was in a seat of authority instituted by God. Even though the order had changed, Jesus says, honor them for the seat on Moses' seat, but do not follow their actions. Christianity is about honor. And he would have slapped Paul's mouth, and God would not have punished anybody. The man had to quickly apologize. I'm sorry. I did not know he was the high priest. He didn't say, you know, this, this priesthood is gone. Let me share Rema with you. No, they would have killed him. And you know what? If he had gone that way, he would not have been under the protection of God because he had already broken the seal of honor. So he could have died there without fulfilling his mission, thinking he's pleasing God. And I want to plead with you. If you're a member of this local church, do not insult the president. After four years, somebody else will come. As believers, we don't cross those boundaries. Whether you like him, whether you don't, whether you voted, whether you, don't, you didn't vote, listen, we don't insult. We know what to do. We pray for those in authority. I, was, I shared something with some of our brethren. One of the guys who was doing most of this massive kidnapping stuff along this uh, Paracord Road was caught a couple of days ago. And I shared it with Pastor Onos and a couple of our people. We've been praying about that thing. We've been praying about that thing. Because every time on that road, it's been. And then we have to travel the road. Can you not say, the Pastor, they might to preach. I said, there are kidnapping people there who can't come. I mean, <laughs> you have to go. Praise God. So, what I'm trying to say is this that's our response. We don't go and say, ah, this government is crazy, it's foolish. No, no, no. No. Through prayers, we appeal to a higher authority. Yes, and then we orchestrate things on the earth in our favor. Is that okay? Praise God. Okay. Uh, one more verse. My time is slow, so I think my time is more correct. 
So let me just tell you about this and then we'll close. Eagerness of mind. The word eagerness is the, Hebrew, the Greek word protomios. P-R-O-T-U-M-O-S. It means to look into the scriptures with three things. Number one, with enthusiasm, with eagerness, and with zeal. So when you say this person is receiving the word with eagerness of mind, it means he's receiving the word with what? With enthusiasm. He's receiving the word with what? With zeal. And with what? Eagerness. He's alert. He's, he's receiving the word. He's excited about the word. The Greek paints a, a word picture of a ravenously hungry man who devours the food set before him. Or an extremely thirsty man who is finally given something to drink. It's almost saying as the deer panted after the water broke, so my heart pants after you. It's like you're, you're very thirsty and then you see a pool of water in front. You're not going to just go slowly like, oh, finally I found water. No, there's going to be enthusiasm. There's going to be zeal about you. It's the same thing when we receive the word of God. When we learn God's word, there's a zeal in our hearts. You know the funny thing? Sometimes when you carry that zeal to learn God's word, you know, and everybody's cold around you, after a while, you also now get cold. Because somehow when you are zealous about learning God's word, like pastor says something, I say amen, everyone look at you like, hmm. And you're like, oh, amen. You look at you like, hmm. The next Sunday, when you come back, even though you want to say amen, you just blink your eye. Because we also don't like people responding to the word like that around us. We feel that if we respond to the word without saying anything, we are matured in the spirit. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. You know, like, I mean, I've got one guy in Padako Church. <laughs> you see, everybody who has been to Padako Church is laughing. I mean, he's one of the reasons I go to Padako Church. Even if there are three people, uh, he will respond loudly. Oh, okay, you met him in camp. Oh, you saw him in camp. I mean, I like his reason. You know, sometimes you're almost saying, okay, calm down, calm down. Well, I mean, the guy, he's waiting for everyone. He's responding. But that's 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 an example of responding with enthusiasm. Praise God. He might look like he's childish. He might look like, but that guy has had more miracles than a lot of us that are matured. Praise God. Are you following this? Imagine if they were to be told that you won a million dollars. <laughs> I know at a point you try to be matured. You try to be matured. You try to be matured. After a while, you just say, what is it? Chef? I just scream. <laughs> Do you understand that? Why? Because when it hits you finally that you are a million dollar rich, it hits you finally that finally you're living that bachelor. Finally, you're buying that car. Finally, you can travel abroad. Finally, things that were dreams in your life will now become reality. Even though your body wants to be still, your inner man will not be able to contain it. It's the same thing when the light of God's word hits us. When we know that our past is forgiven, that our sins are wiped out, that we are now new men in Christ Jesus, that we are the healed of the Lord, that we are now kings and priests, that all things are now possible to us because we believe God, that even though we don't have any earthly inheritance, there is an inheritance in the realm of the spirit that is what, what much more than anything the world can offer. When the reality of that truth hits our spirit, our bodies will not be able to contain it any longer. Praise God. 
And this was what the people discovered that even when they were born, they could not deny the faith. Because something in their spirit was more real than death. Praise God. Praise God. So there is an eagerness of mind. There is an enthusiasm about the word. There is a zeal about the word. Glory to God. Glory to God. Listen, God wants us to get back to the word. We've, we've got to become a world church again. Praise God. You know, I was talking to someone the other day. And he said, it's not about Greek. It's not about Hebrew. I said, it's about what? In the first place, the Bible wasn't written in English. How many of you know there are many places in this world that don't read English Bibles? <laughs> Praise God. So sometimes, why do we do Hebrew and Greek? It's so we can understand the original intention of the writer. Because you can lose a lot of meaning in translation. For instance, the word love in the Bible, for instance. Translated several words for love. So if you are reading on any subject about love in the Bible, you need to find out what, actually, what translation was used here. Including the word son, for instance. Son. Different word used for sons. About four different words used for sons. Technon, one word. Brephos, another word. Hewos, another word. So you need to find out which of the words was used here. Including the word last days. Many words were used for the word last days. Sometimes in the Bible, last days just means the end of a season. And so if you don't understand that, you're going to read everything last day to be one last day. Meanwhile, in Acts chapter 2, Peter, referring to the prophecy of Joel, said, the Bible said, according to Joel, in the last days I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And Peter now said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. So if Joel said, in the last days, I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and Peter said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, it means in Acts chapter 2, Peter was in the last day. Okay. And then some people still expect the last day to be a later time. Are you, are you following this? So you realize that that's why we have to study the word of God. Praise God. So on Sunday, we're going to finish this up and see where the Lord leads us. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We repent and make adjustments on how we've been responding and treating the word of God. But I'm praying, Father God, about the spirit of God and by the grace of God, that our hearts will be inclined to your word. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.